This is the Groupfinity Podcast, episode number 31. Welcome to the Groupfinity Show, a podcast for leaders of volunteer organizations. We take the guesswork out of what works so you can focus on your mission, accomplish more, and get rid of administrative madness. And now, your host, who knows you are the 20% who does 80% of the work, Anthony Wilson. Welcome to the Groupfinity Podcast, no matter where you are and whenever you may be listening. Welcome back, Groupfinity Nation. Today, I'm speaking with Julia Patrick. Julia is the founder of the American Nonprofit Academy, which produces and hosts the nation's only daily 30-minute nonprofit broadcast called The Nonprofit Show. She interviews nonprofit leaders from around the country and world. There are almost 500 episodes in the archive. The key takeaways from my discussion with Julia are, number one, be organized. Have all your meetings defined and scheduled for at least 12 months out. Number two, most funders are asking the question, what percentage of your board is financially invested in your organization? If it's not 100%, then you're going to lose some funding opportunities. Number three, the same people get asked to join these boards, so you're probably going to hear a lot of no's before you hear yeses. And number four, the pandemic has forced overdue changes in the nonprofit world. Be sure to listen to the whole interview to hear Julia talk about why diversity, equity, and inclusion are so important. I'll be back at the end to wrap it up. Here's Julia. Hi, Julia. How are you? Hey, great, Anthony. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. You founded the American Nonprofit Academy, and I love your mission statement, which is to bring education, leadership, connectivity, and collaboration to the nonprofit community. Who would disagree that we all need more of that? That is fantastic. That's a pretty heavy lift, isn't it? Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. So in our previous conversations, you shared with me your five tips nonprofits can use to get their board engaged in the new year. Since we're kicking off 2022, this is a very timely topic. So why don't we start with your five tips boards can implement now to start off 2022 on the right track? Well, thanks for having me and thanks for asking. You know, we estimate that there are about 1.8 million nonprofits registered in this country. And if you ask me, there are a lot more doing work that are not registered and that have not received their IRS letter. And so it's really a fascinating aspect to American culture that is so different from other cultures. But the one thing that these nonprofits all have in common is that they need a board of directors. And that board of directors is really that army of leaders that help that organization stay on mission, vision, and values when it comes to focus. Not an easy thing. For the most part, it's non-paid. It's fully functioned as a volunteer system, and it creates a lot of responsibility because there's a fiduciary aspect to this, which means if you don't do something correctly, you can have some legal repercussions. When we talk about that, people are generally just shocked because they think, wait a minute, I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart. And how could that possibly be? But that's the reality. This is a very serious thing. So my tip number one is to understand what the rules and regulations and policies are that the board members need to follow. This goes two directions, Anthony. This means that the board member understands And the organization understands because if the organization doesn't understand what policies need to be in place or enacted or followed, then they're just as culpable at poor management. And that leads to piece number two. 
Piece number two is to have a board liaison. A board liaison is a professional role or job. Oftentimes, it is the executive assistant to the CEO, and that person is actually the shepherd of the board in terms of all things functional. And that is sounds not very sexy, but it becomes really important. So for example, having all of your meetings defined and scheduled for at least 12 months out. And this is January. You should have all of your meetings, whether they're monthly or quarterly, whatever, scheduled out by the end of the year. For the end of the year, hopefully into Q1 of 2023. The next piece is to understand what the give or get is for the nonprofit. Now, the give or get is perceived by a lot of people as very controversial. And what this means, Anthony, is that you have as a board member, as an elected board member, a responsibility to either give X dollars. And I have seen nonprofits that have a $100,000 give or get policy per year. You cannot write that check. Then you are expected and you commit to going out Mm -hmm. and bringing that in. So for example, that might come from your employer or your company. That might come from your own solicitations. That might come from a talent trade, but that is, that's probably a little bit more rare. And that might be from somebody that could provide professional services. The reason why this is so important, Anthony, is that most funders are asking the question now, what percentage of your board is financially invested in your organization? Newsflash, if it's not 100%, then you're going to lose some funding. And that doesn't mean necessarily huge amounts of money. It could be $100. It could be $10. But that is something that funders across this country are looking at. So we've covered board expectations, what that looks like. We've talked about management, which is that board liaison piece. We've talked about understanding give or get policies. Now let's talk about my tip number four, and that is the use of a board portal. Board portals are new. They used to be called board books, and that would be, as we would say, the Holy Bible or the Holy Bible of your organization. It would be that sacred book that was probably pretty big that would have your bylaws and it would have your policies and it would have the telephone tree and the meeting dates and it would have everything. Well, guess what? We now have digital board books, and they're called board portals. And this is technology that I think is revolutionizing the effectiveness of our boards. And that means that everything that you might need to perform your duties as a board member, trustee, is in one place. And it's all there for everybody to interact with, to work on. That means all your agendas, that means your notices, your communications, your voting roles, everything is there and documented. You can start to see how all of these start to weave and link in together to make our organizations more effective. The last piece, which I think is probably something that if we hadn't had these pandemics, and I use the word plural, pandemics, because we've had 
a health crisis, but we've had civil unrest, we've had social justice, we've had economic issues, and we're seeing a disparity of income and education in our nation. And so this leads to that discussion of DEI and understanding that we can't have the male and pale boards that we once had. We still have that, but we need to navigate more towards the future. So we need to be taking board assessments of what our talent is. We don't need tokenism because we need heavy lifters. We need people that are going to work hard, but we can't have the same voices that does our nonprofits no good. And so this is one of those longer term strategies. These first four tips that are given, these are January 2022 tips. You can get these done. Today is the middle of the month. By the end of the month, you can be working on these things. This last tip is going to take a little bit more energy, thought, determination, and it's probably going to involve some failure because depending on what your community looks like, you might not be able to just go out and with a snap of a finger, fulfill all those pieces that are missing. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some patience. It's going to take some honesty and it might be uncomfortable, but that's okay. Is your head spinning, Anthony? Oh, it is. You just, you dropped so many bombs and nuggets there, Julia. That was fantastic. I don't even know where to start, but I do want to talk about give or get because I agree with you. I think that is controversial topic. Yes. I think that sometimes people sit on boards because they just want to be on the board. They like the idea of being on the board, but but as you said, they're not a heavy lifter. And I think I probably intuitively knew this, but never really put it in the words that you did, that funders will look to see what percentage of your board is financially committed to your organization. And so a funder, if you're applying for a grant, will they ask that? Absolutely. It's really funny because it used to be that I would say back in the day when I first started my board service, when I first heard that, it was very revolutionary. And uh, we had it. Interestingly enough, I was a trustee of a very large arts organization, and we were securing a line of credit. And that was asked by the bank. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was thinking to myself, how dare they? That's private. And then I was like, no, wait, reframe this. That's really important. Because if your board mm-hmm. members, the people leading your organization, don't believe or not investing, what's that message? And now, Anthony, I have to tell you, there are very few grant applications that don't ask that question. Mm, yeah, it, it makes so much sense. And I think that if you implement or give or get policy, and not everyone has to be the same, not everyone has to be $100,000, but right size it to your organization and make sure that you get people on your board who are going to be engaged. And I, it seems like that is a way of measuring engagement. It is. And I'll give you a few more tips. These are like tips B and C to to the main tip. And that is a lot of times when you have a board and you bring this forward and you it should be in your bylaws, there's a lot yeah. of resistance because those board members are like, holy moly, I, I can't write a check today for 500, 5,000, 50,000, whatever that number is. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is that you can set it to start in 24 months. Mm-hmm. or enact so that somebody can be thinking about it, planning for it, or replacing themselves. The next level of this is we talked about my number five tip was to, you know, the DEI piece of this. 
especially if you're looking for younger people that might not have the, the financial depth to, to make a commitment like this, but they're going to be great leaders and they're going to be great stewards. Think about scholarshiping in that give or get. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, interesting. And and maybe you can find somebody on your board that says, yeah, I can see that this is going to be down the road, our next great board chair or leader mm-hmm. of a certain thing. Go mm-hmm. ahead and scholarship that. Give a hand up to somebody so that they can engage in your organization. Because if we don't start doing that, Anthony, we get the same types of looking people sitting around that board table. And even more, you get the same thoughts. You get the recycling of the same ideas and thoughts. And, and, and so I came across this recently where someone said, guy, we would love to be inclusive. We want to be inclusive, but we don't know where to find them. Do you hear that? I do. And I think that's been a really easy um, way to think about this. Back yeah. in the day, and you can't see me because this is a podcast, but yeah. I'm a very pale, blonde, privileged woman. Lay that out on the table. And when I was a young woman coming up, I used to hear that about women you know, yeah. on boards. We can't get women on the board because they don't know what they're talking about and they're not educated in this. Yeah. And besides, who would we ask? And it's hello. There are a lot of ways to go about this. On the American Nonprofit Academy, we have courses on this that are free. We have some free assessments because, Anthony, a lot of times we just think, okay, we need an African-American, we need an Asian, we need a woman, we need somebody with disabilities, and we need somebody from the LGBTQ community. And Mm -hmm. ticking boxes. That's not right. We have assessments that talk about levels of talent, levels of skill, languages, languages. I can't tell you the number of organizations that I've worked with and that I've seen that have a major cultural population that they serve. And yet on their board, they don't have one person that can even speak the language of the main population that they serve. Hello, we need to rethink this. Not easy. It's not easy, but it's possible. I'm so glad you answered it that way because that was my same reaction when the person said that. How hard are you looking? But I think one of the things, and this might seem like super old school, I think if you're looking for a person of color, especially in the African-American community, I think you can go to the faith community, whether your organization serves the faith community or not. You know, those church mm-hmm. leaders see leadership and they see talent in their mm-hmm. communities. I think you can go to the educational system and find out who the next gen leaders are. I think you can go to corporations and say, hey, we need this type of representation. And guess what? We need to start asking our clients. Yeah. We need to start asking our clients, who do you think would be somebody that could serve alongside of us in the mission, vision, and value. We don't ask our clients Mm -hmm. these questions. So what inspired this? What made you come up with this? Like, why are there five tips and not six or seven or not four? What (laughs) frames your your thinking around this? Anthony, I have hundreds of tips. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm doing the sexy five because I think think it's it's the beginning of the the season we've been through. We're going into year three of some really Mm -hmm. times. And Mm -hmm. when I look at the landscape of our nonprofits, I think these are achievable. Now, number five, DEI, that's a big, that's a bigger picture. But you know what? If you can't master these first four, everything else is harder and people are Mm -hmm. busy. 
And I think this yourself, I'm sure the same people get asked to do work to to join these boards. And you probably are going to hear a lot of no's before you hear yeses. And so what can you do to make sure that you have a strong system? I can tell you when somebody asks me to be on a board, the very first question I ask is, do you have a board liaison and are you using a digital portal? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, Anthony, that tells me that this organization is working at a lower level than I want to work at. And that sounds harsh, yeah. Yeah. but that's the reality of my time and what I can give because I want to succeed. Right? I want to be a strong board. Absolutely. So tell me about board portals. Are you just talking about having like a like Google Docs or Google Room? Or are you talking about like a real professional board portal? That's a really good question. Um, really good question. So yeah. if at the low end or at the starting point, yeah, a Google Doc. But there are some really amazing licensed subscription-based products. I love, love, love the product called Boardable, Boardable app. Mm. And Mm -hmm. it's uh, started by a guy in, uh, I think, Indianapolis, who was on several boards and he was a board chair and he was like, holy moly, there's just so much to manage. And he had a tech background. And he's, what if we took some of these principles and put them online so that everybody could have access to them? Mm -hmm. He's developed this amazing product. I love it. It's low cost. And they just recently, Anthony, added a component where they actually can film like zoom so that as your board is discussing whatever it goes into the archive so that there's ever a need Mm -hmm. to determine what action was taking. If you're trying to be more transparent, it's right there for your minute. So it's really, if I had this, when I first started my board service journey, shoot, I would have been a a better board member touch back on something you talked about before, you know, we're pandemics, you said plural. So what have you learned from the pandemics and, and what have you noticed that nonprofits have learned? So thank you for that question. And very few people ask me that question. And I have a big opinion on that. And I have seen two things in the very beginning. I saw two thoughts and it's absolutely been mysterious and enlightening to watch us. There were two thoughts, people that were like, ah, how bad can this be? We'll be out of it very quickly. And I was in that camp. I thought to myself, this is the modern world. We're full of technology and communication. We can get through this, buck up and stay at home for two weeks and then bing, bang, not the case. But during that time, Anthony, I saw people slam on the brakes and use the phrase, we're going to hit the pause button. And they suspended everything. And then I saw people that were like, hell no, we have to work even harder. We have even more clients to serve. Our mission has changed or our mission now is even more substantial or severe. And we're going to lean in and we're going to work harder. We are seeing the results of that. We're seeing nonprofits that are coming through stronger, more vital more engaged, they've learned, and we're seeing nonprofits that are having to close their doors. And it's been fascinating for me, fascinating to see. 
And so big for me, I guess, Anthony, that's like almost a life lesson. Yeah. Yeah. When do you you lean in and when do you lean back? (laughs) Has there, have you seen anything that nonprofits have done over this time? Any changes that they they have made or maybe changes that you've made that you think are are with us for the long term beyond the pandemic? I think it's the WFH work from home, uh, remote workforces. I think there are a lot of people that have said, this works better for me and my family. And this great resignation that we're seeing where we have the largest losses in our labor force uh, since that data has been tracked is a part of that. We have an aging society. And so that means we have Americans in their middle years. Now they call it the sandwich generation. They're taking care of their elders and they're taking care of children. And then in some cases, grandchildren. And so it's when you have those pressures, easy to say the job's going to go or I'm going to find another job. And so nonprofits, especially having been led by older white males, have been resistant, resistant to that change and have had that sense that if you're not sitting at a desk in a cubicle, you're not working. And so what we're learning is that people that are working from home with the right tools are far more productive and it's costing our nonprofits less money. And so I feel like that is one of those light bulb moments that is super positive, not easy to navigate. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's going to move forward. And the savvy organization that understands that they're going to be really propelling themselves forward at a much more rapid rate. Hey, Julia, this is great. I just have a couple more questions for you. Okay, so you just said light bulb, right? So share with me, at what point did you realize you had something with the American Nonprofit Academy? You know, Anthony, I'm very blessed. I had a a 30-year career in publishing in my community. I always served nonprofits. It was a part of my family's ethos, um, multi-generational philanthropist. And I got to a point in my life where I looked around and I said, I can do more and I can be better. And I had, I call it my crisis of faith, but it was really like, I am at my happiest and I'm at my best when I'm in service of others. And I talked it over with my family and I said, Hey, I want to leave publishing and I will no longer be the queen bee of my community, but I'm going to be a worker bee. And some of them were like, don't do it. You'll hate it. I sold all my, my publications and I haven't looked back and I'm a, a better human. For well, it. the listeners can't see it, but I see the smile on your face. So I totally <laughs> believe it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Thank you. Thank you. So what is the next big thing for the American Nonprofit Academy in 2022? So the American Nonprofit Academy, a lot of exciting things going on. We have more content coming online, more lessons. We are the producers and the hosts of the nation's only daily broadcast called The Nonprofit Show. We interview people from across this country, really globally as well. And we have a 30-minute live broadcast every day. The archive has more than almost 500 episodes. And uh, you can learn from, meet from great minds. And that is just, wow, that's just blown up. It's been really exciting. So The Nonprofit Show like I said, is daily and it's an amazing opportunity to see what's going on 
across our country, which is phenomenal. How can people find you, Julia? So you can visit the American Nonprofit Academy.com. I should say www.americannonprofitacademy.com. That's a long one. Uh, or you can go to the nonprofitshow.com. Um, you can find us on social media and uh, reach out. We'd love to know your story. We're always looking to put more people on our show. Anthony, heads up. You're going to be a guest shortly. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's why well, I look forward to it. I look forward. I I am happy that you're inviting me to be on your show. That's fantastic. You bet. I want to. Your story is amazing, and anybody that has the numbers brain is a friend of mine. <laughs> hey, Julia, this has been fantastic. I so appreciate your time. It has been lovely, lovely, lovely chatting with you, Anthony. Thank you so much. Julia did a fantastic job. I love that she does a daily show. I love her mission statement, and I love her five tips to kick off the new year. I think we can all implement the first four now. A DEI focus, however, will take some time, but there's no better time to start than right now. I especially like when she shared that funders want to see that your board is financially committed to your organization. I also liked how she offered creative solutions to get people that may not have the financial wherewithal involved. She has a ton of resources on her website, AmericanNonprofitAcademy.com. I included links to her website and resources in the show notes of this episode. To make sure you don't miss out on anything, go over to groupfinity.com and join the community by clicking subscribe. Also, go to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show, and please be sure to leave a rating and a review. Until the next episode, this is Anthony Wilson. Stay safe and be the leader that everyone wants to follow. Thanks for listening to the Groupfinity Podcast. For more information about the show, to leave comments and connect with the host, head over to www.groupfinity.com.